and I dreamed that the sun was rising in my heart. Books Podcast, episode 190, Padmasambhava, part 10, in which I will be reading from the life and liberation of Padmasambhava. You can see reflection of the reflection there, if you look closely. Um, I'll be reading Canto 16. I think it's safe to say we'll read at least 16 and 17. And... Uh, yeah, we'll read three today. Cantos 16, 17, and 18. Hope everyone's doing well today, and I will go ahead and get directly to the reading. If this is your first time seeing this and you'd like to start with Canto 1, here is the Padmasambhava playlist. Cue the music. Canto 16. King Indrabhuti obtains the wish-fulfilling gem. Then the king decided that these happenings were not in keeping with the Dharma. With a sea journey to win the wish-fulfilling gem, he could effectuate an almsgiving to satisfy the heart. So he resolved to set out by sea and obtain the gem. As it happened, there was in the land an old trader who in earlier years had traveled far. The king went to him and said, quote, I am leaving by sea and I want you as my captain. Prepare to leave at once. Quote. The captain rejoined, quote, to travel by sea is not wise. That is what poor people do at the risk of their lives. On the sea, the waves and the ground swell engulf you. There are makaras and evil nagas. And then there are the rakshasas and very colored floods and like dangers. And yet other horrible threats aplenty. The king's eyes are without vision. It is impossible for you to go, end quote. This he said. The king replied, quote, If I do not execute my intention, death will end me. Head this maritime exhibition and tell me what is needed. I will do whatever is required. Whereupon the captain said, quote, Live pigeons are needed to discover the makara." To feed the pigeons, a red heifer is needed. To feed the heifer, many bundles of hay are needed. Heifer, right? H-E-I-F-E-R. To kill the makaras, a live conch is needed. A ship is needed and three hawsers to moor it. 
and on each of the four sides, four plumb lines, heavy weight, heavily weighted with lead are needed. Ropes of hemp and ropes of yak hair are needed. And in order to follow the breeze, sail and banner are needed." End quote. When the king had seen to everything, and the seafarer had fitted out the ship and installed the rigging, the king's followers tried to hold him back, but he was resolute and went on board. And 500 merchants went along with him. The captain said to them after they were all on board, quote, we are on our way, but still seven ropes are secured. For the merchants who entrust themselves to the wind all sorts of perils materialize on the sea. Very few are those fortunate enough to return. So let those whose resolve is weak turn back at once. But if, without regard for your body or your life, without attachment or tenderness for father, mother, wife, or friend, and intent upon the gems, you set out for the land of gems and make a fortunate return, your children and grandchildren to the seventh generation with this wealth of gems in their possession will enjoy prosperity." End quote. That was what he had to say, and he severed one hawser. And in exactly the same way, for seven days, he uttered these words. Finally, with every hawser cut, into the wind, he spread the sail and the banners on the rigging. The swiftness attained was great, and they moved forward like an arrow. Then, having arrived at the land of gems, leaving their followers on the ship close to the coast, the king and the captain went on a little boat, moving forward slowly they reached and touched on the land of gems. Due to, the so due to the strength of his vow, the king's sight, which was directed toward this country that was, shine that was a shining mass, cleared up a little. And seeing a mountain that gleamed whitely, the king asked, quote, what is that mountain over there made of? And quote, the captain answered, Quote, that is a mountain of silver. They went on, and when he saw a mountain that was blue, the king asked, What is that mountain over there made of? The captain answered, That is a mountain of beryl. And as they went on, they saw one with a yellowish glint. The captain said, That is a mountain of gold. When they reached the foot of this mountain of gold, all the ground glittered with gold dust, and they sat down for a while on this gold sand. Thus the captain instructed the king, and the king did everything as he was told. Amidst the many castles of precious stones, he came to the castle of the seven precious substances. He knocked against the closed door with the diamond knocker, the door opened by itself, and the gem was brought by the goddess of Azure, who gave him the blue gem. 
and the Nagas also gave him many precious stones. Once the gem had been obtained, as the captain had advised, the king immediately turned back, and he went up to the captain and thanked him. With the gem hidden in his garments, the king uttered a prayer and left his and his blind left eye open, and a voice could be heard calling Indra Bhuti. Then when the ordinary merchants had arrived, the captain, who was skilled in seeking gems, showed the deposits of precious stones of every richness and quality. He gathered from among the rocks quantities of precious stones and shared and gave out gems, semi-precious stones, and whatever else was there. And he said, Previously many have died when their ships were swallowed by the sea. Let us be satisfied and go back on board. Of the history unabridged of the lives of the guru of Udiyana, Padmasambhava. This is the 16th canto. King Indrabhuti obtains the wish-fulfilling gem sealed oaths. Canto 17. The meeting with King Indra Bhuti and the signs of cause and effect. Then the prow of the ship being turned around, the king with his followers returns to his country, and holding a tall lotus, the orthodox minister Trigunadara took a boat and went to meet him. Now in the southwest of the diamond throne of India, in the northwest of the western country of Udiana, in a lotus garden at the northwest of Danakosa, on an island of the great lake Brilliant Immaculate, in the midst of a countless arrival of flocks of water birds, scarlet ducks, gray canines, and others, a tent was pitched, a luminous circle in five rainbow colors. The king then said to Trigunadara, tell those down there to come here. No longer does the king have the same blindness once the wish-fulfilling jewel was obtained. My left eye, after a prayer, was opened. There is, said the minister, in the middle of a lotus garden, a miraculous child seated. May the king consider taking the blessed child away at daybreak and let him deign to see him himself. And King Indrabhuti said, We must go near. Last night I had a dream that a radiant gold Vajra with nine points appeared from the sky and came into my hand, and I dreamed that the sun was rising in my heart. Quote. The king and the minister entered a skiff and arrived at the spot amid the cries of flocks of scarlet water birds. Sitting on the lotus was a child of beautiful face, a delight to the eyes, one chi a child one would consider to be eight years old. The color of his body was like the purple of shells, and the king marveled. Emaho, 
miraculous, admirable child? Who is your father? Who is your mother? What is your country? To what caste do you belong? On what do you nourish yourself? What are you doing here? The child replied, My father is knowing of knowledge. My mother is Samantabhadri, holy joy and transcendence of the void. My country, I have none, having been born on the essence plane with its unique caste. I nourish myself with both clarity and perplexity. I am here devoting myself to the destruction of suffering. At these words, the king wept profusely, and his blind right eye was also opened. Trigunadara, the orthodox minister, burst into tears as well. The prince was named Tsoki Dorje, diamond born of the lake. He is the incarnation of a celestial being, thought the king. Adored will be my blessed son. And the lotus stem was brought away with the child. They then traveled to the land of the king. Following them were birds of the water tribes, geese, gray cranes, and others. Some were following, others were uttering piercing cries, others were swooping down above the child. Others were gyrating around the light points of the four beaches of the lake, while others, their beaks having bitten into the earth, were rolling on the ground. On the way, the travelers reached a lake shore, where, where fish which had been caught by a hook and drawn to the bank were being thrown into a net by an old white-bearded man. The fish were jumping with fear and trembling, and the guru Tsoki Dorje reflected, When I hold the king's kingdom, I will suffer like a fish caught on a hook. With such a symbol bordering upon the Dharma, he understood the causal facts. They then reached a forest, and there they saw a partridge chased by a crow. The partridge closely pressed, reached a thorn bush, but the crow also went to the thorn bush. As the crow approached on the right, the partridge tried to escape on the left. As the crow approached on the left, the partridge tried to escape on the right. For a long time, they were thus in flight and chase, but finally the partridge escaped and was saved. Now the thorn bush resembled the king's kingdom, and the crow Indrabuti, while the partridge typified Tsokyi Dorje, who understood this as a symbol of well-timed renunciation. And then, in a place where they stopped en route, he saw the young son of an Upasaka and an Upasika kill a rat, which could then not return to the house. This the guru understood as a symbol of exile. If the law of the king were broken, the guru thus understood the chain of causes. Finally, the king's palace was in sight, and all joyfully came to see the spectacle of their arrival. They were welcomed by 300 dances of the tiger, of the lion, and of the Garuda. 
300 rhythmic incantations were mimed and danced. 300 adorned adolescent maidens paid homage. 300 ephebes made mudras while dancing. The accomplished musicians beat large drums and other instruments, and the ac accomplished decorators raised the thrones and the victory banners. The greatest actors of the land put on masks and began their acts. Of the history unabridged of the lives of the guru of Udiyana, Padmasambhava, this is the 17th canto, the meeting with King Indrabhuti, sealed oaths. Canto 18. The prayer of King Indrabhuti to the wish-fulfilling gem. Now King Indrabhuti, having washed well in salty water the precious gem, dispenser of whatever might be needed, Having polished it with the Benares cotton, placed it on a cushion of fine silk. Quote, if this rare gem which I have acquired is really the wish-fulfilling jewel, may the chair of my son become the high throne with the seven jewels of a king, also adorned with the parasol of the seven jewels. End quote. And the seated child was proclaimed king and received the name of Padma Gyalpo. Then the king uttered another prayer. <clears throat> if this rare gem which I have won is really infallible in answering wishes, may it fill the empty treasury. And lo, immediately the treasury was filled with what it had previously contained. Now the king had the drum beaten and sent this information to the eight points of space. Quote, King Indrabhuti has received according to his wish the precious gem which causes it to rain whatever one desires. Let each one obtain from it what he wishes. End quote. Thus the heralds proclaimed. And the king said, quote, Flood the gem with wishes. Attach it above the victory banner. Raise the parasol with fringes. Let there be the sound of sweet hymns and with sandalwood, aloes, the perfumes of Ceylon, and with spices, let incense be burned." As soon as he had spoken, all was accomplished. There appeared a large pile of offerings, both outside and inside, and countless kinds of music were heard. The king, having bathed, dressed himself in beautiful garments, saluted the gods of the four directions and said, if this gem of my conquest is truly infallible in answering wishes, may it cause to rain down all the goods which people could desire. And as he was speaking, the four winds arose, dispelling all impurity, and honey fell in a fine rain. When the dust spread out, it was swept away. There was at first a rain of foods for the hundred tastes, which satisfied all who were hungry. Then a rain of clothing of every kind, which satisfied all who were cold. Then a rain of riches, gold, barrel, turquoise, crafted jewelry, amber and jewel settings, 
carts, palaquins, parks and pastures, lots, houses, herds, and whatever else could satisfy each one according to his wish. Whatever was under the scepter of the king ceased to suffer hunger or misery. Then a voice accompanied by light resounded in the heavens, a voice in a triple rainbow ray which said, Vajradhara of the six great joys, flaming volcano has caused the 18 tantras to reign on the dwellings of King Ujjayin. Drinking like blood the five sciences, the assembled Dakinis have in the forest of Ceylon caused the seven sutras to fall. In the kingdom of the Dhanakosadvipa, the great perfect one has made esotericism rain down root and branches, and now observing the dharma of the great vehicle, each one will obtain his supreme goal. Of the history unabridged of the lives of the guru of Udiana, Padmasambhava, this is the 18th canto. The prayer of King Indrabhuti to the gem, <clears throat> Thank you all for joining me for this recital, and uh, I will go ahead and close in the usual manner. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us, and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Don't